We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. I'm walking here! I'm walking here! Here's Johnny! You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Welcome to another episode of Unscripted. I like how I call it an episode. Unscripted, the film show. It I should probably episode. get through the intro first. Mm. Um, I am Cecilia. Across from me is Rachel. Just a lady show tonight. No, Lewis. Lewis is off on mm. assignment. Um, oh, hi, Cecilia. Oh, hi, Rachel. <laughs> can you turn my headphones down slightly? I can. Sorry. Um, I only introduce it as, oh, hi, because oh, now that's too low. I can't hear Sorry. myself at all. Need to, oh, hi. Oh, hi. hi. So we'll just keep going. Oh, hi. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. More hi. More hi. More hi. More? more? That's where I was before and you told me to turn it down. Oh, maybe it's the mics that need to come. I don't know. Maybe it's my voice that needs to be lowered. I've had a long day. Um, I, I introduced the show as, oh, hi, because oh, hi. the room is coming to Luna on Essex, which I don't actually know if it's been in Essex before. Is Essex? It in has, Frio. Yeah, I've seen it at Essex. Oh, yeah, okay. I see. It has been. Um, I remember going and that's where I seen it for the second time where I was throwing, I remember throwing spoons. Oh, okay spoons then. Spoons for something? Uh, probably spoons. spoons. It would of be course. spoons. I should know this. I should, should know, know this. this. Um, if you've never seen the room, um, you've obviously never listened to our show, and you must be new. Hi and welcome. <laughs> oh hi. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, new listeners. My favourite dialogue from that is when Lisa says to uh, what's his name, Mark. Greg. Mark. Yeah, Greg, played by Greg Sestero. Sestero. Right? Yep. Goes. Oh, I missed you, and he's like, I saw you like five minutes ago. <laughs> Um, I would never hit her. I would never. No. Oh, hi, Mark. No. Um, I'm sorry to all of you listeners who have never seen The Room. Um, if you are a Fremantleite, is that even a thing? Anyway. Uh, if, it is now. Um, if you're in the Fremantle area, you can go and see it this weekend, uh, Sunday the 3rd of July. Doors open at 6.30. Um, it's seriously, if you've never seen this movie, it's mm. epic um, and it's a... Yeah. It's so you bad. Can, you can get it's involved. good. Well, this it's, is it. That's that's the thing. It's yeah. kind of so bad that you have to see it to believe it. Exactly. Um, and, you know, it's a great fun little night out. It really is. You know. And then you'll be able to listen in and you'll get our references mm. or you'll be out on the street and you'll hear someone say, oh, hi, Mark, and then you'll know exactly what it means. <laughs> exactly. You can throw a spoon at them. They'll throw one back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to be like, oh, that's weird. You know, exactly. like, there's so many weird things about that movie. I think my favourite weird thing, even though it's disgusting, is the, you know, the sex scene? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where they're like, like playing with roses, and then they have sex twice in the movie, and they just use the same, same footage. Scene. I know it's, it's like, so obvious too. I, and that's because you know there's no way she would have 
been happy to do that again <laughs> with Tommy Wiseau. But anyway, it's a legendary film. It's at Fremantle Lunar on Essex this weekend. Check oh, it out. Oh, my God. I need to revisit that film so much. I, I need to revisit it as well, mm. like as a bit of a – it's a good date night kind it of film. It is because you can just laugh about it and be like, this is hilarious. And it's almost yeah. like, what, what am I watching? Oh, I just keep thinking about all the scenes in my head and how good it is. Yeah. Um, and how the mum just kind of completely gets pushed to the side even though she's got cancer. I've got cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of all we hear about it, yeah. nothing else. Yeah. Uh, but I like the interactive screenings that they have. I think it's a, it would be an interactive one. It, it is one. an interactive one. Yeah. It's hosted by James Palm. So awesome. um, the, it, it definitely, I mean, you can even, if you've seen it a million times, which a lot of people who go have, have. Um, and, you know, you can dress up as your favourite character, you know, wear you can a even take a Yeah, you can even take a, like a, um, a, a, an American football oh, to, yeah. to play half-time if you want. Chuck it around. Chuck toss, it around. Toss the footy around. Mm. Um yeah, eat metaphoric apples and yell insen- insulting comments at the screen. Lisa! <laughs> You're tearing me apart! <laughs> All right, we'll move on. We'll move we on. do have other things to talk about today. Um, I've, I've seen a few things on the old uh, Netflix and Stan. You have seen the Elvis film, which I is have. kind of less about Elvis and more about his relationship with the Colonel. Correct. And look, it did release last week. So I am a week behind just because I did not make it to last week's show. But you know what? It means that more people have seen the film. This is true. We can have a conversation about yeah. it. Yeah. Have you seen The Black Phone yet? Is it actually out or no, were they just doing... it's not out yet. It's right. uh, end of the month. But I have received an invite in which I got very excited for because yeah. this is right up my alley. I got that invite too, but I I think it's all the way in Karen up. Oh, it's worth it for me because it's it's a horror film. Oh no no, sorry, it's in Inaloo. I take it back. So, but it's a Monday night, which I I'm not able to to get to a Monday night screening, unfortunately. Oh, that's unfortunate. I won't be able to cack my dax. Oh dear. Oh, cack my dax. Cack my pack my dax. I don't know. Pants. <laughs> <laughs> Simply poop my pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I see. I don't mind. I like going and watching horrors. I, I, uh, I do want to yeah. see it, but I just don't know if I can. Like, I, I'm going to have to wait until it's available on streaming and watch it on my phone where it's small, so I don't get scared like I did <laughs> with film? it. I was going to say, didn't you do that with another yeah, film? I did it you with it. You watched it, which is a long film. I mm-hmm. think it surpasses the two-hour mark, and yep. you watched it on your phone. Babadook ruined me. Did it really? I, I have not been able to watch a horror movie properly since then. And that was many years ago that you and I seen that film. I'm old, man. It doesn't ma- I <laughs> my, my, my heart just doesn't take it anymore. Actually, there was an Australian movie that came out a couple of years ago. You know the one I'm talking about. I can't remember the name of it. Hunting Ground, I think it was called. Yes. Um, yes. Mm, I think. The anyway. Killing Ground? Killing no. Ground, Killing maybe. Ground? Oh gosh, anyway, I could be wrong. I there know. were people in a campsite and they basically became hunted by these two horrendous people and it was just, it was creepy beyond words and then there was like a poor little kid walking around aimlessly and I'm like, no, oh, yes, no. Uh, so, yeah. They're making a third It film. 
which is going to be uh, like a prequel, so the events leading up to. So a little oh. bit more of the origin and background on Pennywise the Clown, where he came from, who he is. I didn't actually see the second one with Did you know with what? Bill Hader and was it Bill Hader? In yeah, that? Bill Hader was in it along with uh, you had James Jessica McAvoy, Chastain. Jessica Chastain, and a lot of the characters actually looked like I think Jessica Chastain's character was so similar to her uh, younger counterpart, um, who I, whose name I've forgotten, and I should remember. Remember uh, from the first one, but they they did that really well. I thought mm. the second one ha- is definitely my favourite of the two. Wow. Okay. Uh, and even it, even so, with the mini or the TV mini series that they had, which they split up into, which I've never seen, to two parts. I always enjoyed the adult version more mm. than, than, than the kid version. Huh. But I'm interested in seeing uh, the fact that they've been able to take it back and yeah, do something else with it. And you know, uh, I forget his name, Mike. The director of the film. <laughs> the director, uh, the film, director of the film. His name is Mike something. I yeah. should know this. But I really like his work mm. and I think that I'll enjoy this even if it doesn't kind of surpass the first two. I think this is something different. We haven't seen this before. Mm. You know, we've had that mini series with Tim Curry as Pennywise the Clown and, yeah. you know, that kind of ended it there. But I think you could do so much more with this story and there was so much in the books as well that they left out and, yeah, I think... Um, have have I- you actually, on, on a horror kind it's kind of... Yeah, it's definitely horrific. Um, have you been watching Stranger Things? No. No, you never got into that, did you? I never did, you? did but That's I should right. probably I revisit it. My memory is not very good. I'm like a little goldfish. I might ask you a question. You'll tell me the answer and um, I will forget it. Mike um, Flanagan is the director's name. As soon as uh, someone said it. I should say. But no, I have been meaning to get into Stranger Things. This season's really good, but the episodes are... Uh, epically long they're like uh, they are so mm-hmm. we've we've watched all the way up and because there's a second phase coming out in july uh, which is tomorrow happy end of financial year everyone oh it's a horrible day at work today it's oh. gonna be another horrible day tomorrow <laughs> um but um you know what, what, what yeah so we haven't watched the last episode of this phase one yeah, I'm losing my mind um, because it's two and a half hours long and I really need to be in the mood and it just keep just not quite being ready to sit down for two and a half hours. I think that's a big commitment and, you know, if listeners who have listened to us before know that you and I are not so good at commitment. I found the best thing if you have commitment issues for TV <laughs> shows, which is us. Um, so I, we will get into other stuff but... Um, we always tangent at the beginning of the show because we have to get just, our energy out. I just tangent all the time when I'm with you. It's it's. it's I think cray cray. you and I together, we kind of need Lewis to co- control us. Yeah, I'm going to blame it on my ADHD because my brain is just thinking of the next thing and the mm. next thing. Mm-hmm. So um, Netflix have got a new short TV series. It's only nine episodes and the episodes are 11 to 12 minutes long apart from the first episode which is 19 minutes long and that is the new um, Rowan Atkinson um, little TV show called Man versus B. Oh my goodness. I was like this is gonna this is ridiculous but I'm like you know the episodes are super short I'll just watch the first one and see what it's like. And it's ridiculously funny because it's been written by Rowan Atkinson, of course, of Mr Bean fame. And so some of the comedy, even though he's not playing a Mr Bean character, it, it, some of the stuff is quite um, 
similar in the way that the comedy comes across. So lots of physical humour, um, less so with his body, just like more like things just keep going wrong. So the premise of this is that a um, he it's his first time being paid to be a house sitter mm. and his first job is like this ridiculously expensive, lavish home. They've got art on the wall. They've got a real um, Andy Wallow p- painting on the on the wall, um, you know, just super fancy rich people and, you know, all the drawers open by like you, you swipe across like in front of it and it opens. Oh, fancy. Yeah, uh, and there's all these um, security buttons and like just crazy, crazy stuff that a normal person is not used to. Um, but a bee enters the home and in his effort to remove the bee from the property things go awry so um it's it's ridiculously funny like it shouldn't be as funny as is this british it is obviously rowan atkinson yeah. is british but i wonder if it's an american versus it's basically british just him yeah. um 90 percent of the time so is b the it's, theme throughout oh yeah the whole time i yeah. mean like i think it's probably been thought of as like this is it as a movie and let's chop it up into yeah. little bite-sized pieces yeah um and, I mean, I watched two episodes on my lunch break today. It was a perfect way of, like, just passing the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not going to win any awards or anything, but it's pretty It's pretty bloody funny. I, I oh. wanted to watch it with Bryce, but I watched an episode today and I'm like, ah, uh, maybe this is why I can't watch it with Bryce. Um, but I'll explain that later. It's so funny. I was getting my... I was getting a pedicure done a few weeks ago. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. And I was sitting there and getting my feet massaged and having a grand old time. But they had two TVs on. One had something like X on the beach or some reality show about really good looking people who like make you angry because they're really good looking. <laughs> and stupid. And then on the other one was Mr Bean. And I was uh. like... Mr. Bean, please give me some more Mr. Bean. And I'm yeah. just sitting there enjoying this and I'm like, please turn off that other rubbish. I want to enjoy Mr. Bean. Uh, you're going you're gonna to really enjoy this. I am going to get on board I, with I that. Think. I, I think, think what we'll do thing. is we'll quickly play a sponsor and we shall um, get back with some less tangent things and more like stuff, stuff, stuff that we're supposed stuff. to talk about. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show... Indeed, you are listening to Unscripted, the film show. Lewis is here. I, where did he come from? Lewis? Oh, he's gone. Oh, he's gone. He just okay. dropped in for a second. <laughs> that was a pre-record. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. That we play every week, if you, if you don't know. But at least you get to hear the sweet sound of Lewis's... Sweet, dulcet tones. Of, yes, the, the very subdued and calm one of us. <laughs> Because we are not that. No. Let me tell you. So um, you watched, what film are you wanting to talk about first? I don't know. What do you think? I've seen a few bits and pieces uh, over the couple. Well, last couple of weeks. We, we could have talked this while we were watching that, while Should there was a, a sponsor. Should we talk about Elvis? I Should showed you pictures of a cat. Jump so. in and do Elvis. Let's do, do Elvis. Let's do it. Because I've been really excited about this oh, film. That was my Elvis. Are you going to do your Elvis? No, not not a chance. That's I'll not what you meant? Okay. Because I'll make it sound like something it shouldn't sound like. And it might be offensive to some people. Okay. You can do it. I can't pull it off. Uh-huh. I don't... I don't. <laughs> Um, I've been oh, waiting dear. a while for this film to come out. I've been kind of following the news 
as it's been released. And, you know, most people know me as a huge Baz Luhrmann fan. I do rave on about Moulin Rouge. I know as a film reviewer, it's probably a little bit weird for someone like myself to enjoy Baz Luhrmann's films. Why? I I think because you either love or hate him. And a lot of people go, really? You like Baz Luhrmann? You like Moulin Rouge? I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. Mm. I mean, love Strictly Ballroom. It's an absolute classic. And I think... Um, as the films went on, they got less and less good. Yeah. Australia in particular is probably the worst pile of poo. I think I've ever seen. if I were to rate or rank his films, Australia would definitely be on the bottom there. Oh, yeah. And, yep. you know, Moulin Rouge has always been on top for me. But, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I don't know why I like that film. There's just some nostalgia there for me, I think. And it's always one of those films I'll watch when I just feel like I'm a little bit down and I want something to cheer me up. Mm. I do tend to turn it off, though, right before the sad part. Clever. Um, right as the curtain closes, once they've finished their finale, because yep. Before that's really nice, and then after that, it kind of gets a little bit sad, depressing. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Tuberculosis so, is not a good thing. No. So, uh, and you know, spoilers for a film that's two decades old. But <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, this is the, obviously the latest film from Baz Luhrmann, and it is uh, a musical biographical drama, and. It's no doubt, there is no doubt that this is one of his films. It's got that kind of Lerman kind of colour colour throughout. It's eccentric. It's very flamboyant. It's got those bright colours, those really fast-paced camera movements that he tends to do and just bold costumes. Mm. And, and it's all about the look yes. of the film. Yep. And the film really does chronicle the relationship between Elvis Presley, played by Austin Butler in the film, and his manager, uh, Colonel Tom Parker, played by Tom Hanks, over the course of about... 20 years in this film and and Parker is the villain of the story. He's mm. a bad manager. He's taken Presley for 50%. He's worked him to the bone. He's done all of those things. and Super controlling. Exactly. And, you know, we've seen this play out before in other films. You and mm. I have seen a film called Love and Mercy about, yes. you know, Brian Wilson and his manager and, and their relationship and just how sometimes, you know, and I don't want to be... I guess I'm generalising here, but I I suppose there are some bad people out there who do take advantage of people who have these kind of talents and things like that. Yeah, and I suppose Elvis was really young when he met um, the Colonel and I think, you know, I, I think he just was naive mm. about what was going on. He uh, he didn't know any better. Exactly. He didn't. And, you know, he was very, very young. And, you know, what do you do? You come from this family that wasn't particularly well off mm. and you just want to succeed and, and support your family. And that's really what he did. He he kind of grew up, yeah, with, with his mum and his father was in prison for some time. And so he just wanted to do right by them, I think. And the film does chronicle kind of, Presley's rise to fame um, and his career. And that's really the forefront of the story. But you've also got this kind of love story between him and Priscilla that's kind of in there as well. And we really Mm. cross these pivotal moments in history. You've got um, segregation and racism. You've got the assassination of Martin Luther King uh, and Robert Kennedy in there as well. So there's some real kind of turning points in history that the film um, kind of Chronicles, as well as Presley's rise to fame and his relationship. And 
like true Lerman style, he kind of starts at the end of the story and takes us back to the beginning. And it's more from the point of view from the colonel, most of this story. He narrates part of it and it's, yeah, it's from his eyes and his point of view. And which is an interesting choice, I think, as a villain to, to make them, you know, the point of view for the story. Yeah. But, you know, and of course, the soundtrack is a huge part of this film. You've got some original vocals from Elvis. Uh, Austin Butler contributes his own vocals as a young Elvis. So he sings the young Elvis as a young Elvis. Mm. And then as he gets older or is older in the film, it, it's Elvis's um vocals there as well but you've also got some really modern music thrown in as well I think Baz Luhrmann does this thing where he pulls together we've seen it in Romeo and Juliet that modern take of that film and you know he I think you've got Eminem in here you've got Doja Cat you've got just material from a range of different genres and styles and I really like that you've got Stevie Nicks in here as well so a really epic lineup of musicians and just music so it doesn't feel that old, like Elvis's music doesn't, it's been really modernised in this and I quite like it. I don't know how Elvis fans would feel. Right. I like Elvis. I'm not a hardcore fan by any means. I did leave knowing more about Elvis, uh, which I think is always a good thing when you go and see a biograph, uh, which is great. It's two hours, 40 minutes, but I loved every single minute of this Two hours and how many? Two hours, 40 minutes. Wow. Long film. epic. Incredibly How'd long. How'd your bladder go? It went well. But I have always said that I can tend to kind of drift out when films are too long. But I was on my... I loved every second of this yeah. film from start to finish. And I think for me, I love what Baz Luhrmann has done with it. I think, though, there will be people who will not like what Baz Luhrmann has done with this film. Yeah. Particularly maybe fans because they're going to want to go and see... I just enjoyed that modernism that he's brought to the film and that eccentric. I enjoyed it. And Austin Butler, superb. Did yeah. a fantastic job as Elvis. I couldn't envision anyone else doing this role. And I'm I'm kind of curious, why release it this time of this the year? Why not before Oscar season? Because mm. it's it's an interesting thing. You've got two actors here. You've got Austin Butler and Tom Hanks. Easily could be nominated for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. You've got Baz Luhrmann, Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Costume. Best Set Design. There are so many awards that you could pin to this film. And it, it's just interesting to me that they choose to release it now. As not. opposed to closer to Oscar yeah. time. Because those Oscar bait films do tend to come out a little bit closer to Oscar time so that it, it stays in people's minds. It does. So, you know, look, it doesn't mean that it won't be considered, I don't think. Mm. But I just think, yeah, it's bizarre that it, we're, you know, just had the Oscars really when you think about it. So there's yeah. maybe nine months before the next one. I just don't think it'll get a look out by mm. the time the Oscars come around. But, look, I mean, I there might be a reason behind it. I don't know. Do they address um, how Marie and, uh, uh, sorry, is it Lisa Marie? No. Sorry, um, Priscilla. Priscilla, thank you. Yep. Um, do they go into how they met and what age she was when they met? Look, it doesn't actually, it goes into how they meet. There's not 
there's at no moment they they kind of look at age. No, though. They probably I think wouldn't. <clears throat> you just have to know that from a factual point of view. And I didn't before I went in. I did read about it afterwards and went, ah, oh, okay, yes. So he was a lot older than she was. Well, she was fourteen. Yeah, which to me is a child. Yeah, and look, you're right. It is, and they don't specifically say that in the film. You do have yeah. um, Perth actress Olivia Dion actually plays Priscilla mm. in the film, and she I think is probably probably in real life about 24, but she does look very young. So, yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't... Th- they didn't marry until I think she was 21 mm-hmm. and she has adamantly said that they didn't sleep together until they were married. So, hmm. still, hmm. It, it is odd to me that you would covet a 14-year-old and wait until they're of age to marry them because, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It, so it is bizarre to me. Yeah, but that, that it's certainly not addressed in the film No, of course it wouldn't be. Um, yeah. it, it's very much kind of washed over. Of course. Uh, and then we see their relationship. But, yeah, I think Priscilla was really the subdued kind of mellow person in the film. She was the most kind of normal. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then you had Elvis who kind of went off the rails later in life a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Because I think he was just overworked and I think fame does funny things to people. It really does. You know, it's unfortunate. And then, so yeah, look, I really enjoyed this film. I'm going to score it five. uh, Oh, I didn't think. uh, Five Uh, Cadillacs. Five Cadillacs. Five Cadillacs, baby. Nice. Well, I I kind of want to go just because... Um, Arda was saying, you know, she's been to Graceland and they really depicted it <laughs> so well in the film. And I've also been to Graceland, so I want to be able to see it and see it on the screen yeah. and see how they've done. It's it's so interesting if you've never been there because across the road they've got the Heartbreak Hotel mm-hmm. where people will stay um, and basically they only stay there because they're going across the road to Graceland. There's really not much else there. There's mm-hmm. a campground, which is where I stayed, which is next to the Heartbreak Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a bit of a bizarre setup um, that's across the road and then, then you've got this huge, elaborate, extravagant home. So it's mm. it's very, very interesting. Very interesting. But, yeah, no, there's lots to go and see and... I'm interested to see what fans of Elvis, like hardcore mm. fans, whether they'll even go and see this film or they'll completely uh, ignore avoid it. avoid it altogether. So I, I am interested to see people's opinions because I think they will be quite mixed. Mm. Uh, but I can't wait to watch this again. Mm. Really can't. So okay. there you go. Well, we might take another small break and we'll be back in a moment. Did you know that Fremantle has its very own art house cinema? You'll find Luna on Essex, midway along Essex Street in the heart of Fremantle, screening an incredible variety of niche, foreign language and quality mainstream films in comfortable and intimate surrounds. It feels more like your own home movie theatre rather than a cinema. Catch up with friends for a pre-show drink in the fully licensed alfresco area or enjoy a glass of wine and a cheese platter during the movie. Check out what's on along with details of forthcoming films, festivals and added value events at lunapalace.com.au. So have you ever watched a TV show from the ABC called You Can't Ask That? I've never seen it, but I've heard about it. and Probably from me because I bang, <laughs> out, out, I bang on about it any time. I like, I like the premise of the show. Mm-hmm. For sure. So if you're not aware of it, it's it's probably in its sixth season or something, but basically it interviews people um, who 
uh, of a particular group, I guess. Um, and it's the questions that get asked uh, are by people on the street, but obviously they they're asking them anonymously. So they the the people who are sitting down and are answering these questions are basically just flipping over the card and reading the question. Um, and each season they they talk to lots of different people they've spoken to amputees they've spoken to uh, last season they spoke to people who had killed somebody so Whoa. yeah pretty heavy um one of one of the ladies had had a car accident and and hit a child and she <gasps> basically just never got over it wow um, yeah so it, it's really really interesting some of the things that you that you learn and and here, so the latest season is out, and of course, I binged it all um, basically in one day. Um, I think the first episode is Bogans, um, which was very entertaining. There was some eye rolling um, going on because there were some people with um, particular opinions that I do not agree with, um, but then there were also lots of people who had the same opinions as me. Um, so um, it was just interesting to watch that then they had an episode interviewing um porn actors actors and actresses um i actually didn't watch all of that episode i guess i'm a prude i don't know (laughs) (laughs) um they they had an episode on uh gay people um that sounds weird doesn't it gay people i don't know it just sounds weird but anyway um and well, it, it was people from that community anyway, yes. the LGBTQI yeah. community. Um, and then they had an episode on um, people who had gone through postnatal depression, which was a really interesting episode for me that I got slightly annoyed at because the the people they interviewed had what I would consider quite extreme situations that led to the to the postnatal right. depression, like traumatic birth, or you know, they did have people who had just you know had a baby and got postnatal d- depression. But I felt like if you were watching it from a perspective of someone who doesn't know anything about postnatal depression, you might get the idea that you know the kind of people that get that are the kind of people who have had a very traumatic um, right birth situation where the child's taken away from them because the the, the birth of the child was traumatic or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't just affect people who have gone through those traumatic situations. It's very, very normal. Um, a lot of people suffer from it. I suffered from it. it. took me 18 months to get diagnosed, which is a very long time. Mm, it is. Um, and it's just I, I wouldn't consider what my situation was as as traumatic. So I, I just felt like, you know, it was really good to get the information out there, but I just felt like it was a bit, you know, it just made it look like, the only people who get it. It's a bit one-sided perhaps. It was a little yeah. bit. But regardless, it's a really, really interesting show to watch the episodes of because um, all of them are great. And if you've never seen them, I am super jealous because you get to start from the beginning and watch all of them. And they're all like really, really um, interesting. Uh, there are some that can be quite triggering. There's one mm. a few years ago um, that interviewed people who had attempted suicide. So that was really um, eye-opening. Um, but anyway, that's not the only thing I've been watching. There's a new TV show on Netflix. I've watched a few Netflix 
things this week called The Future Of and they each episode they go and um, look at the future of particular things and like dogs or cheeseburgers. I don't know what they're going to discover in that. I haven't watched that one. <laughs> um, sports or space vacation. But the one I watched was on dating and it was really bizarre because obviously a lot of people in this age are doing their dating through apps. So they talk about the fact that once upon a time you would have a meet-cute story, mm. you know, um, but these days a lot of people's meet-cutes are basically the fact that, you know, oh, I liked this picture on whatever app you're using and that's how we got introduced. Um but they brought up the idea of having like this algorithm in a, a different sort of app that kind of directs you to go to like they know who would suit you best. Right. So it's like um, go this place and sit at the end of the bar and you're like, oh, oh. why am I sitting at the end of the bar? Who am I going to start talking to? Um, and so it's cre- the idea is that they would create meet-cute opportunities. Right. So it's using like technology to kind of reverse it back to meeting again. Yeah. Kind of cool, yeah. It is cool but it's also really creepy because it's (laughs) – Yeah, I mean – Because it can tell exactly where you are and like with – I mean that happens with phones anyway. Yeah, we are being watched regardless but (laughs) it just was like, oh, that's an interesting concept but um, yeah – Yeah, a lot of really cool little ideas um, to go through there. There's another one called The Hidden Life of Pets, which I think I need to watch with Bryce because I started watching the first episode and there's this dog that goes cliff jumping with his owner, like, yeah, that little bit crazy, Um, and like a dancing cockatoo called Snowball and there's like a literal um, rat race. They've got um, scientists that have got rats in these like little cars that they've made and the rats mm. race each other <laughs> so so it's an interesting little um concept so uh, i i am interested in, in watching a little bit more but with with bryce and the last thing that i watched um is probably not for everybody and it's called no mercy no remorse um do you know who paul denyer is Sounds familiar. So he is the famous Frankston killer. I was going to say, is he a serial killer? Yeah. Yes. So he, in 1993, um, killed three women in a very short span of time. Um, so this documentary kind of interviews the the police that were involved, um, some of the people that were affected by those, um, those deaths and... Um, also shows you footage of the actual interview with him, which is super creepy. Um, so, I mean, if you're into, you know, true crime documentaries, it's 78 minutes long and it's, it is interesting because a lot of the stuff that I see a, tri- a true crime documentary-wise is all American-based. Um, you, you seem to get a lot of that. You don't get a lot of, like, Australian stuff. There was one on Stan a few, mm. like maybe last year or the year before, that talked about um, Edgar Allan Cook. Yeah. um, Who was the Perth-based serial killer who was the last man in Perth to be hung. Right. So, um, yeah, that was a really interesting one. I'm sure it was on Stan. It's so 
fascinating to me that you... I'm such a weirdo. No, no, no. It's fascinating to me that you don't like horror films. I know. But you like serial killer. I don't like serial killer. I think the thing is I... It's so... The idea of what they do is so foreign to me. That you just want to know... You that I find understanding, it, maybe I don't know. Not it's just fascinating. Yeah. Like, like what drives a person to? Do, I yeah. I do not know. There would be uh, like millions of studies out there um, that tell us why women in particular are into true crime podcasts mm. and true crime documentaries. Um, part of it probably is to prepare ourselves for the very scary world out there and if I know more hopefully I'm more informed maybe and it won't happen to me (laughs) so uh, there is probably a a big part of research that says that's why we do look at that sort of stuff I don't know um yeah yeah uh, yeah because I mean I like horrors but I'm not necessarily interested in in true crime all that much because mm. it's too real for me. <laughs> Whereas I think that when I'm watching horror films, I know that it's not real. I suppose I don't, don't want to be frightened in a way that I'm not expecting to be frightened. True. Whereas true crime, I'm, I know why I'm frightened. <laughs> <laughs> I have some sense of control and I think it do, there is probably another se- part of the, the reason that we're into it is because we can control Mm. The situation of like, well, I'm going to watch this and be prepared. Exactly. You're completely not in control. If something like that happens to you, you really probably can't get away with it. But anyway. It's insane though. It is. It's it's always interesting to kind of go behind the story and find out what drives someone to do something. If they they ever provide that answer, I don't know. No, I think most of them are... Most people like that have, think it's justified, which is which is the crazy thing. Mm. Yeah, or they have mental um, deficiencies. Mm. Uh, what do you call it? Psychopaths, sociopaths, those, those kind of people. Mm. Anyway, um, sorry, <laughs> it's not very lighthearted, was it? Sorry about. Sorry, that. I kind of interrupted you. No, I was partway um, through. I thought I was just interesting to me that you don't like horrors, but then, but then I, I get that. I can understand that. I think, yeah. I'm a weirdo. What can I say? I'm a weirdo. I watch horror films by myself for the adrenaline rush. I used to do that back in the day. Now I'm I just... have to admit, though, as I'm getting older, I am less drawn to horror films. Mm. It's weird. Like, I'm looking forward to the new Ethan Hawke one, the, the black phone. God, he looks so creepy in that mask. Yeah, I just, like, it looks unique and different. I think I'm yeah. kind of, yeah, but I, I don't often jump on a streaming service anymore and hit a horror because... Yeah, I, I'm less inclined to do that. I think as I've gotten older, I'm definitely... It's not scary anymore. It's just sometimes I don't want to... It, it all came around, I think, when they started releasing these psychological kind of really disturbing horror films like Hereditary and Midsummer. Oh, God, yeah. I, I don't haven't watched think, Midsummer. I don't think I could ever watch those films again. They have kind of destroyed me in a way because... I think they make people feel different things because I've spoken to some people who were like, that wasn't scary, that wasn't scary. Okay, I know they're not scary, but there's something... Hereditary was scary. It's creepy. It gets under your skin. Exactly, and there's something so awfully disturbing about that film. Yes. Particularly the last 20 minutes where it's all dark and you don't know where anybody in this house is. Oh, my God, and And then the... uh, There's so many things. It's so disturbing. And then Midsummer is kind of that... The clever thing about Midsummer is it was all filmed in light. Yeah. So they managed to make something scary while it's 
completely bright. Yeah, it's, I've it's got just bizarre. I've got that on my list. I noticed that it was on Stan finally. So I I'm think like, oh, I should watch that. It's definitely one of those films that I just could never revisit either of those films again. They just are too disturbing for me. Mm. And they just bring up too much. And the beginning of Midsummer in particular, or there's two scenes in particular, one at the beginning is so traumatising to me that I I just can't even think about it. And I, th- I think the last horror film I watched was Fresh on yeah. Disney. And before that, I think it was Ma. <laughs> Which kind of, in it's a not way... not really a horror. Well, no, but in a way they're it's kind of palatable. You can, you can watch them because they are a little bit, too insane and you kind of know that it's yeah ridiculous i just can't deal with these really hardcore films and i think that if ari aster the the director of those Mm. two releases another film i think i'm going to be pretty cautious about watching them do you think he's okay do you think (laughs) like do you think he needs help i think for someone cry for help to conjure up particular things that he did in those films I think he would have to be pretty I don't know he's obviously seen some stuff that man <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Aww. look in Go a way see a therapist Ari in a way they're clever films because mm. they make you feel so unsettled yes I think that's the difference between like a, a different kind of horror film and those particular horror mm. films because they are extremely unsettling. Mm. I don't know if you ever saw that Spanish film, The Orphanage. Yes. Yeah, that is so creepy, particularly that scene where the young, is it a young girl's counting? Yeah, like one, two, knock on the door or something. Oh, my God. obviously in Spanish. In Spanish, yeah. That film is really, I like that film. I can can watch that film. It's a good film, but it it gets under your skin. And The Babadook, another one that just gets under your skin. It's a different kind of horror. Level, yeah. Let's Let's have a palate cleanser. Shall we we have, uh, do we have any more sponsors? Let's play our last sponsor and we'll come back. Yeah, let's do it. Considering all this talk of horror, shall I take you somewhere else? Have you seen something pleasant? I have. Something set in Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Uh, this is a film called Ali and Ava. It's, oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, it's written and directed by Cleo Barnard, whose previous films include Dark River, The Selfish Giant and Arbor. So really kind of um, low-key, you know, films, but those kind of little gems that you, you see and you go, oh, I like that. Mm. And this film... We meet Ali. He is this English-born Pakistani landlord and, you know, he's an aspiring DJ. And unfortunately, he and his wife have decided to separate and they don't really tell their families because it's kind of seen as a shameful thing, Mm. particularly in this culture, to marry someone and then, you know, divorce. So they still live together, but... He one day decides to take the daughter of one of his tenants to school as a favour and he happens to meet Ava, who was played by Claire Rushbrook, and she's this kind of second-generation Irish immigrant classroom assistant, and she's a mother whose ex-husband, we get the impression, wasn't so nice. He was maybe a bit abusive and Mm. alcoholic, all of those things. And the two meet, and instantly there's this connection between them, and the film really centres on that blossoming relationship that they have. They really bond over their love for music, music and and you know other things such as arts and entertainment and and things like that and it, it's quite a humble story it's very narrative driven 
and ultimately it's a story about two people from you know two different walks of life who who meet two different cultures they've been Mm. raised so differently and they they fall in love and it's not a cheesy story or cheesy love story by any means and you know on the opposite end it's it's nowhere this erotic love story either it kind of sits in the middle it's that really you know sweet nice story about two people who are just so different who put everything aside to to me and despite you know others objections and others thoughts and and you know words Mm. that they still kind of you know, go beyond that. And yeah, I'm not usually one for a romance, but I think this is one that I could, you know, I got behind this. I enjoyed it. It was very mellow, kind of subdued piece and, Mm. you know, very short and sweet. It's one hour 30. uh, And I just enjoyed the performances by these two people. I think um, I think Kat and Lou talked about this on last week's show. Oh, and they oopsie. Had, Sorry, no, guys. No, oopsie. It's nice to hear somebody else's opinion. And that's um, that's where I heard about it because I was driving when I was listening to the to the show last week. And, it, it yeah, I I got the impression they, they quite liked it. And, again, because it's a little bit of an unusual um, story and, yeah, two people from completely different environments mm. um finding common ground yeah and and it, it's just a nice little piece it's nothing too you know elaborate you don't have to you can just kind of yeah watch it and, and mm. enjoy the ride with these two people and, and see where it goes and you know it, there's it's not without complications they do meet those hurdles and roadblocks in the film but yeah ultimately it's it's a love story so this film is it was released today so you can officially see it in cinemas now which um is great select cinemas so i'm gonna score it a four four headphones okay well he's a dj y'all yeah and they they uh spin that record Do you know, I wanted Stop. to be a DJ once when I was a little, like, young. I, like, I think everyone wants think, to be a DJ I if think, you're into music. I think everybody at one point wanted to be a DJ, right? And I think that's why we all loved Pitch Perfect because we're like, look at these mashups she's doing. I actually watched those films uh, a couple of weeks ago. I had nothing Did to you? watch and I just wanted to I – was, I was having a bit of a tough time and I just wanted something that I could watch that was going to lighten the mood for me, not make me feel any worse, mm. just – something that I could and it really did that for me I know it's stupid no you know what sometimes you need what I call junk food for the eyes Mm. like there's some movies that are just there to entertain they're not you don't need to get into it too much with with whatever drama or you know existential crisis that (laughs) characters are going through sometimes Mm. you just want to put something on and you know Actually, roll with in, it. yeah, just roll with it. Um, there's a. I watched a trailer today for something called. Um, I think it's called a Trip to Paradise. Uh, sorry, Ticket to Paradise. It's got George Clooney and Julia Julia Roberts um, playing uh, ex partners or ex husband and wife who are going to Bali to try and stop their daughter from marrying this person she's just met. So even though they kind of hate each other, they mm they combine their powers to try to stop her from getting married, uh, which is, you know, um, probably shouldn't do that. The guy <laughs> seemed like a nice guy. But it, at the end of the Sometimes day, it's just a stupid comedy. Yeah. Like, you know, like I remember Cat and Lou talking about the one with Sandra Bullock in it um, and Channing Tatum 
recently, Lost City. Oh, the Lost City. Yeah. And yeah. they said, look, it's not going to win any awards. It's just fun. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with a film that's just fun. I know. I so. enjoy those films. And I'm starting to praise them a little bit more, particularly the times that we live in. We're going through, you know, this pandemic, which I know for the most part we're probably getting there, but it still feels like a lot. The last mm. few years have certainly felt like a lot, right? Yeah. So it's so nice to go and switch off and watch a film that just, yeah, you don't have to think too deeply about it or you yeah. don't have to leave and go, oh, my gosh, you know, and then you can have this epiphany or you go into an ex- existential crisis. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I'm going to see a film called Phantom of the Open. Yeah, that looks fun. Which looks so fun. Uh, I'm Mark Rylance excited. is in it. I mean, it's it's about a UK guy who has never um, played golf before and he's um, based on a true story and, you know, becomes this, this golfer in some kind of tournament. That's mm. that's as much as I know about it because I, I read the little synopsis. It, but looks it looks funny. funny. I think it's kind of got that Billy Madison. Is it Billy Madison? Was that that yeah, film yeah, with, yeah, um, with Adam Sandler uh-huh. where he played? I don't think it's quite as bad as that. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's going to be entertaining. I think it's going to be entertaining nonetheless. The the ads looked hilarious. I laughed during the trailer. So I think if you laugh during the trailer, you're in for a good ride. That's for sure. Yeah, and so. I mean, it's other than Mike Rylance, it's also got. Um, oh, I love her, and now I'm forgetting what her name is. She's oh, in Sally Paddington. Hawkins. Yes, Sally yeah. Hawkins. She's. I love her, and she's I mean, so underrated. Is she? So underrated. Oh, I think she. Was, I rate her highly. I do, and I think you know she did a Shape of Water was obviously oh, the film that I think most people kind of are familiar with. But you know that is done, not where I know her from. She's done so <laughs> many other brilliant things. Uh, well, think. we wa- we have watched Paddington quite a few times at my house. <laughs> I always remember Paddington from. Oh, where do I remember it from? Because it's childhood. <laughs> <laughs> It's referenced in a film that I've seen oh, recently. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is the um, the the Nicolas Cage one. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yes, they that talk film. about Paddington 2 and how good it is yes. and how you'll cry at the end of it. Um, we've only watched that one once. Mm-hmm. We keep going back to the first one. Um, but, yeah, I would like to re-watch the second one now that I've seen um, the unbearable lightness of being awesome. <laughs> That's it. It's too hard to remember the name, but it's a wonderfully entertaining film if you've not seen it. I can't wait to watch that film. I know. I cannot wait to watch it again. I'm super excited. It's such a good film. I just can't even – I just need to re-watch it again because I don't think – I was so excited. I don't think I took it all in. And I think the scene where they're getting high, like, (laughs) is so freaking funny. So funny. It is so funny. I don't think I've laughed that loud in a cinema for a really long time. Yeah, to be honest, I think that's the last time. I, I Yeah, I can't remember laughing that hard. All right, but before that, what was there? I just, I can't even remember. I, the only thing that sticks in my mind, and it's a really long time ago now, um, was the producers. Have you seen that? Yes. So the scene where um, he takes the blue blanket <laughs> off of, Matthew Broderick's character. <laughs> I saw this at the cinemas to review it and I there weren't too many people at the cinema because I think I paid to go and see it um, and I was laughing so hard that in my brain I was like, they need to stop the comedy now <laughs> because I'm either going to die from laughing, this is what they mean by dying from laughing because I cannot breathe, or I'm going to vomit from laughing. 
<laughs> Do you know, when you instantly say in your mind, stop it, stop it, that's when you know it's too funny because you're trying to like, you're I like, know. stop this, I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> when is this scene going to um, end? And that was that for me in, in that film. I f- actually could feel my stomach muscles yeah. just going like, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to pee my pants. I, I, was I getting need to pee. <laughs> I was getting quite annoyed. I'm like, they really need to stop this scene right now. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to die. And it just got funnier and funnier. And I just wonder how many takes it took them to do it, whether they broke out laughing at any point. Or Are we talking about the producers or the Nicolas Cage both. one? Both. Yeah. I know. I can't imagine just... Or if it's like, we got this one take. Uh, Pablo Pasco's, Pasco, oh, his face. <laughs> when Yeah, anyway, if you've not seen that film, I don't even know if it's still showing. Oh, but I think it just watch it, people. Find it and watch it. It's brilliant. So good. Actually, you know what? I did watch one more thing. Um, I watched an episode of a new TV show called Everything I Know About Love, which is on Stan, and it's based on the memoir of this this young lady and she's kind of embellished it a little bit but the story is less about like a love story between um a male and female but it's more about the love between two friends so and you know they they move in together in london first house and then one of them gets a boyfriend and the other one kind of feels like oh i'm losing my friend um i didn't to be honest when I was watching it, I'm like, this is movie, this TV series is not made for me. Like it's, it's all like, they're all like 24 and trying to figure out their lives and drinking too much and having some cocaine. And, um, it's just like, oh, I'm so square. This is so not for me. Mm. Um, I just completely couldn't relate to any of the characters at all. Um, but you know, I think many people are watching it. So if you're interested. I mean, just, you know, one of those chuck it out there. Chuck it out there, why not? So, yeah. well, we're almost done for another week. Uh, I do want to plug, obviously, uh, other wonderful shows that you can listen to via the Gentlemen of Pop Culture website. Uh, also, obviously, your streaming platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from. There's, uh, of course, Tangent City, which is where we take a pop culture reference and we just ramble on. And on and on. About sort of it. like the start of this episode. Exactly. So I actually don't know if the, the latest episode is out, but um, I joined Kat Lewis and their friend Nick to do Jurassic World. It is out. Uh, it is, it out. is out. And it was a, a really good conversation. It was um, really great talking to someone uh, from, from the other side of the world mm. who, who had seen it. And, uh, yeah, just having a good chat about that. Uh, Diz Down Under is also a show that Kat and Lewis do about all your Disney uh, stuff. stuff. And, there's you know, it surprises me how much content they are able to come up with in, in regards to Disney. Oh, it's, it's constant. It's, it's I wonder um, if they're going to um, talk about the paediatric um, paediatric doctor in America who had like a a surgery that was all decked out like Disney style, like oh. the words on the front was all like Disney yeah. handwriting and everything. She was a big like, you know, Disney-file adult, whatever the... I don't know if they have a particular name. Um, but she uh, got caught trying to hire someone to kill her husband. Oh, okay. So I didn't know that, but I 
the first part of that was interesting and then <laughs> the second part kind of took a turn, right? But yeah, um, yeah, it did. You know, I think it's it's Disney related. So, <laughs> you know, here's some content for you, Cat and Lewis. I'd like to hear a bit more. Please do some research <laughs> and uh, pop that in your next show. Thank oh, you. Oh, dearly, dear. Uh, and, of course, there's... Those are really, and obviously you can re-listen to Unscripted, the film show, episodes, past episodes, past film reviews. If you want to go back to listen to our review of uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, for example, you might yeah. want to have a bit of a listen. So, um, yeah, plenty of content from us all the time. You know, maybe we're good, maybe we're not. We don't really know. <laughs> don't but, tell um, us. Don't tell us either way. But we will be back <laughs> next. No, tell us if we're good. <laughs> no, actually, tell us if we're good or bad. We don't mind. Just give us a rating. I mind. Well, we need to know what we need to improve on. No, because they'll just tell us to stop babbling on. Oh, probably. No, stop just, tangenting. Um, please like, review, rate, all of those Maybe beautiful things that you can do. And um, we will be back on the mics next week. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture.